You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This episode of Great Pets is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com forward slash great pets. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This is the Great Pets Radio Show with professional dog trainer Brian Kilcommons and Dr. Jim McKiernan of the Great Bay Animal Hospital. Call now with your pet questions to 1-888-441-WTSN. That's 1-888-441-WTSN. The Great Pets Radio Show. Now, here's Brian and Dr. Jim. Good morning and welcome to Great Pets. Give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. I'm Brian Commons with my co-host, Dr. Jim McKiernan from the Great Bay Animal Hospital. Hey, can we do the show outside today? Oh, would that be nice or what? <laughs> so, question. What happens when an airline loses your dog? Oh, God forbid. Did you have to throw th- you had to throw this one at me right off the bat? Well, it's a good question. And also, oh my God. you know, a lot of these airlines are now catering to pet owners. They may want to look at this. So there's this couple who's flying their dog back from Mexico. Um, and they're at the airport, and uh, they're waiting for their dog, and no dog. So, you know, they're going, okay, what's going on? And they asked Delta, and Delta said, oh, it's on its way. Um, well, this guy called the Delta crew and told him that his dog was safe in Mexico, but somehow been left behind. Paco would be on the next flight to Detroit. He wasn't. So guess what Delta did? They, uh, I, I have no idea. They offered him a credit. Oh, Lord. <laughs> People don't, they don't get it. That, you know. Okay. The good news oh, is the dog did, the dog was running loose because it got out of the crate. And people found the dog, and they were reunited with the dog. Like in cargo, it was it jumped out. Yeah, it, yeah, it jumped out. Yeah. So, um, but that's 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 just priceless. I mean, you know. Yeah. I'm sure all these people listening are going to say Delta. I'm not going to fly Delta. Hey, listen. I mean, you know, there was just Frontier Airlines. What are they out? Frontier. Of? Yeah. Yeah. They just announced that. Uh, well, they they stopped flying with pets. They you know banned it. You know. Mm-hmm. And they just re-announced that they will now allow pets on the airline. Have you ever flown with a, a pet before? Oh, yeah, many times. I have not. I have oh. not. But I have people who come in weekly to my place, you know, because we have to get them health certificates bef- 10 days before they get right. on the plane. And then, um, you know, if they're small enough, you can get put under the seat, right? Th- this was before Homeland Security and all the uh, stuff. Yeah, and there's only one dog per cabin, so you really need to make arrangements. But there are new airlines that will fly your dog in pressurized, heated or air-conditioned planes. It's a little bit more, but by far that's the way to go. Now, I used to fly with dogs before all this Homeland Security stuff hit. Um, but w- one of the things when I did fly, I was flying my Vigilant T. And uh, I insisted that I w- go down and see where he was in the baggage compartment because I wanted to make sure they weren't stuffing him in the corner and piling bags around the, the crate and that he would be first on, first off. Well, of course they're going to say no to you on that, right? No. No. I forgot. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I said this wouldn't be a good idea not to let me go down there just to make sure he was safe. And they were nice enough to do it. But what if everybody wanted that? 
You know, I mean, what if everybody said, "I want to see my dog"? They're like, "Look, well, you, know, you got to trust us on this." The, one. Yeah, this is where you need to ask some questions if you're going to be flying your dog. And since we do have more services, you know, doing a little bit of homework, going, "Okay, what are the possibilities here?" Yeah, you know, or maybe just deciding to drive. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, exactly deciding to drive—that's the question mm-hmm. you got to do. Here, but this just came out from Frontier: small dogs, cats, rabbits, guinea pigs, hamsters, and household birds. Household birds are allowed to fly. God forbid they get out of their cage, huh? Well, if it's a parakeet, it's no big deal. If it's a macaw, it could be kind of nasty. (laughs) No big deal (laughs) to some. Uh, They have to be an approved carrier to fit under the seats. There are no insects, spiders, amphibians, and definitely no snakes on the plane. Like Uh, that movie. Yes. Frontier also accepts larger pets, those tipping the scales more than 20 pounds, which, quite frankly, are a lot of dogs. They they help put them as checked-in baggage for $150. Hmm. So Frontier once allowed pets on the planes, discontinued it, and officials said they wanted to be res- be respectful. And they got feedback from their pet policy saying, hey, you know what, because a lot of, you know, we, as we know, 60% of the homes have pets. So, you know, it's interesting. We're a Canadian medical journal, uh, medical association, called for airlines to ban uh, pets in the cabin, saying that one in ten people suffer from an allergy to animals. So, you know, is it fair to those other people? If you've got a cat screaming, a dog yelling, the, you know. Good question. I don't know. That's why. I mean, I've just, it, you got to. So anyways, I think in this particular, well, I guess I'll tell you what. I don't think it is. And, and my feeling, it's not fair to the other people. It's kind of like me showing up at my uh, brother's house with a dog, and, and I'm not saying he doesn't you like know, dogs. One, one of the things that, to kind of balance this out, besides the allergy thing, What's interesting is they do not have any statement on behavior. You know, they should have, if a dog is going to fly, it needs a canine good citizen certificate, especially if it's going to be in the cabin. So you know people have done work with the dog and socialized the dog where they have control over it. I was on a flight and they had two Yorkies. You know, and I thought I was going to lose my mind. Why? They just, yip, 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 yip. Oh, it was like an ice pick. No, uh, that's okay. That's okay. It's really not going to help. No, I thought you could only have one pet with you. And the other thing, Brian, I mean, they say put it underneath the seat in front of you. I mean, how much room? There's barely enough room for my feet under there. Can you really get an animal under right. there? I like this idea. There's a new airline out that is exclusively for transporting pets. Maybe a little bit more, but you know your pet's going to arrive there safe and sound. It's well you know, I think we should get them as a as a guest. Let's let's look into that. Where do, I mean, but the other thing is, you know, do you have to drive to Charlotte, North Carolina, in order to get your your pet? I mean, do they hit Boston? Do they hit the major metropolitan airports? I believe so. They do. Well, let's get them on yeah. and see. Uh, but they're going to more and more cities, and I think it's a viable way to look at this, as more people are traveling with their pets. So that's what they're saying. They're saying, you know what, you shouldn't fly with your dogs or cats because other people are allergic to them. And uh, how do you feel? I mean, give us a call at one eight 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 four four one nine eight seven six. This is an unfortunate story. Um, a guy who was really consumed with his lawn all right beautiful lawn got awards on it dog guys walking his small why, dog. why, why are you looking at me like that you dog. think i'm some kind of obs- lot obsessive yeah. guy dog <laughs> urinates on the lawn the guy shoots him oh God, not no. the dog he shoots the other owner oh where is this the, um this was oh. in i'll find out when all we right. get back you listen to great pets radio with brian and dr jim we'll be back after this break hey boy how you doing <laughs> what am i doing <laughs> I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. 
Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your Lifebook page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. (laughs) No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. (laughs) No, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity, and friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. (laughs) Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here. (laughs) Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Attention passengers, please fasten your seatbelts, put your seatbacks and sleeping pets in their full upright position, and prepare for takeoff. Pet Life Radio presents Travel Tales, the show where you'll get great travel ideas on perfect places for you and your pet. From Paris to paradise, south of the border to the South Seas, Travel Tales will give you cool tips on fun vacation destinations to travel with your pet, pet-friendly hotels, and advice on how to travel safely and happily with your furry best friends. So, get ready to pack the bags and the bones with your Travel Tales hosts, Susan Sims and Nicholas Veslowski, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Great Pets Radio. This is Dr. Jim McKiernan with Brian Kilcommons, and we are live. The number is 888-441-9876. And the question you had was, where did this happen? It was Illinois. Illinois. Okay. Yuck. My lawn's not that important to me. Yeah, really. <laughs> hey, um, you know, we have touched upon the what actually my associate veterinarian I work with has now termed as an epidemic, and, uh, and that is horses needing to find homes. And it has become an epidemic, and it is. And I know when something has become an epidemic when you start finding people that you know that are involved, or they start calling you with questions. But right now, there are a lot of horses that need homes. We could we could say it's because the economy is not where it used to be, and that they're expensive. There are other thoughts. There is something called a horse prevention slaughter act that Brian and I will touch on that has now allowed. A, a lot of horses to be, you know, not no ho- stopping transportation of horses into the United States, uh, but really to stop horses from being slaughtered for human consumption. Um, so there, there's a problem right now, and, there, and the problem actually exists in our listening area where you're listening as and, well. And I think part of the problem, uh, Dr. Jim, is that when we look at the Horse Slaughter Act, where they're saying, okay, we're not doing humane slaughter of horses in this country, unintended consequences. You know, we don't have enough places. People throughout the country are letting their horses 
go. Yeah. I mean, the AVMA, I was reading this morning before we came in, uh, has estimated that there is going to be a need for 2,400 additional rescue organizations to take the horses in. Now, there was an organization that tried really hard, good people, did a great job in Epping called Epona. They are no longer in business or doing the rescue that work that they used to do. So today we're going to be joined by uh, a woman by the name of Melissa Coe, who has started a rescue called Lucky's Legacy. And I am looking, I have two agendas here. Well, three, it's, it's, it's interesting information. Two, I am trying to raise money for it. Um, and I will be very blunt on that if we can make an organ, a, a donation to them. And, um, and I, I forgot the third, but we are joined by, uh, Melissa. Are you there, Melissa? I am. Hi, Dr. Jim. Good morning. Thanks Good for, morning. Thanks for coming. Hi, Brian. Good morning, Melissa. So, um, what, what's the situation now with horses in New Hampshire? Well, there are a lot of horses in New Hampshire currently in need. Um, I know you guys just briefly touched on uh, the slaughter issue, but even in our own backyards, people who have had their horses for, you know, eight, nine, ten years are now running into financial difficulties. As you said, the economy is definitely an issue, and um, people's horses are sometimes the first thing to go. Uh, we in, because they do incur such a huge expense, and um, obviously we encourage people to uh, search for solutions prior to your horses becoming an abuse or neglect situation. What is the expense, just for those listening? I mean, can you give me a range of what it would? Because my daughter asks me for a horse on occasion. So what, I, I, what, I have two and a half that you can consider. Yeah, what, what's your thought on that, Brian and, and Melissa? How much is it on a monthly basis? I think, I mean, if you can keep your horse at home, you know, with farrier and your yearly veterinary costs, probably, you know, you could feed a horse for somewhere between 300 and $350 a month um, if you're not boarding. So the boarding is right. where the expense comes into play. Sure, the okay. boarding is expensive. It also depends, too, on the breed that you have. I mean, I think, Brian, you can attest to that. You know, you have maybe a quarter horse that's an easy keeper, or you have a thoroughbred that's hard to keep weight on. You know, you're going to be spending more money depending on the breed yeah. as well. I think on the low level, Melissa, they said about 2500 a year per horse. Yep, that sounds reasonable. You know, but grain prices are up, and so is hay, hay prices are up. Hay prices are crazy. Are you finding a lot of the horses that need to be rescued or need to be placed, are they coming from, um, you know, least or, or stables, or are they coming from backyard situations? Most of the ones that I see are coming from backyard situations. I think um, horses that are boarded in a reputable facility uh, prior to having an issue, uh, they are rehomed or somebody reaches out for help, a lot of the people that have their horses in their backyard, uh, maybe you drive by every day, you don't even know they have horses, um, so a lot of people don't see the issues that are going on. But, you know, um, a lot of people use them just to take care of them. I mean, not every horse gets mm -hmm. ridden, right? Correct. I mean, so a lot of people just put them in the back and, this and the, let them just... What do they call it? Just hang out, right? Yeah, they're like pasture pals. Yeah. If you have yeah. another horse that you ride and, and he needs a friend, you got a pasture pal. And is, is that important for, to a horse to have a friend? That, I mean, do they tell me about that? Absolutely. Oh, I mean, uh, okay. horses are herd animals by nature, um, so they definitely require a pack or a herd, and um, they like to have somebody with them. It makes them a lot more relaxed and comfortable. And people a lot of times use goats. 
Yeah. yeah, or a donkey. Oh, yeah, or another companion because they are a herd animal. Let's circle yeah. back a little bit here, Melissa. The um, the Slaughter Act, mm-hmm. the, the Horse Slaughter Act. Where do you stand on that? What is your thinking? Well, I think, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of a broad issue. Uh, my feeling is that we don't consume horses in the United States. Um, I do feel that there is a need for... Something and maybe that is a humane euthanasia program, a subsidized humane euthanasia program for these people who really have no other option and and can't afford euthanization and burial for their horse or removal of their horse because that is an expense. Because, um, well, and and part of this uh, for the full kind of uh, argument. When mm-hmm. we talk about humane uh, euthanasia, it's like, oh, why do we have to do that? The reality is that we really don't have enough homes for these horses, and, and with people letting them loose or letting them starve, you know, when you weigh what's cruel, by f- right. by far, or not being able to afford a farrier, or having their teeth floated, or mm-hmm. affording grain, that's where the horse really suffers. 100%, I agree with that. That is absolutely... Um you know, a horrible case. Does the Horse Slaughter Act prevent euthanasia of horses? Or no. It, no, it doesn't. Okay, so it's... Humane euthanasia? Correct. It does not. So so your th- your contention is that it should be maybe, what, someone would pay for that humane euthanasia and burial of the horse if needed? Correct. Okay. Because the issue I think that people are having, uh, or one of the major issues with the Slaughter Act, is that, you know, horses are slaughtered, uh, via captive bolt, yeah, um, which is not a humane way. Oh God, to... I was reading about that. It was, it was terrible. Right, yeah. and the other thing that people are having an issue with now that the plants have been shut down in the United States because there are currently no slaughter plants in the U.S. Right, um, operating. However, Missouri is trying um, to get a bill passed which would allow them to have a slaughterhouse. Now, but the other issue is the trucking. You know, now we're taking all these horses and we're trucking them to Canada and Mexico in deplorable conditions. It, well, yeah, these horses being transported, also they do not have humane slaughter in Mexico. I don't correct. even want to get into that. One of the things right. that I'd like to discuss, Melissa, is how people can help. And when we get back from break, let's talk about how we can help the situation and save some of these horses or make the best decisions for them. All right, will you hold on? Absolutely. Great, Melissa. We'll be back. You. This is with Great Pets. If you want to uh, call in, give us a call at 888-441-9876. You're with Great Pets Live. Hey, love to read, but just never seem to have enough time to sit in one place long enough? For all of us on-the-go people, Audible has the answer. Best-selling audiobooks for your iPod or MP3 player. For Pet Life Radio listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Choose from hundreds of today's bestsellers, including awesome pet books, such as Bad Dogs Have More Fun by Marley and the author John Grogan, Love That Cat by Ingrid Newkirk, It's Okay to Miss the Bed on the First Jump, and Other Life Lessons I Learned from Dogs by Seinfeld's John O'Hurley, and many, many more. To download your free audiobook today, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash great pets. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash great pets for your free audiobook. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around every week on Pet Life Radio. 
Horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Great Pets Radio. This is Dr. Jim McKernan with Brian Kill Commons. We're talking with Melissa Coe. Melissa is a, we're going to get into this. She's running, uh, actively involved in something called Lucky's Legacy. And we are trying to discuss the, to- we are discussing the topic of um, an epidemic of uh, horses needing homes. You know, Melissa, you talk about, um, you know, c- uh, factory slaughtering of horses you know it, it ranges from mexico at being seventy-eight thousand tons a year all the way down to spain at about five thousand a year mm-hmm. and um you know and and you just said that a lot of some of the horses are actually finding their way to mexico the horses are since we don't have any slaughter facilities in the u.s they are transported from the U- u.s to mexico or canada to their slaughter plants. Right, and, and transporting these horses, it's tra- they are in total fear. A lot of them are getting hurt, you know. Right. And we don't, and we don't have any humane standards in Mexico, so right. it becomes really dreadful. I'm not even, I can't even talk about the details on yeah. how they euthanize them. They, right. It's not really euthanizing them as far as the word, right. because yeah. it's not cool. But what we were talking about, Melissa, what are some of the things people can do to help here? So some of the things that you can do are, although. You know, there's obviously, I mean, if either being for or against um, the Horse Slaughter Act and what's happening right now is definitely, you know, contact your politicians with your opinions. Locally, um, you can look to adopt from rescues prior to buying a horse. You can also um, work very hard to, you know, go to your local rescue rather than, you know, breeding your own horses. We need to, you know, kind of haul back on the breeding that's happening in the United well, States because... One of the things as far as the good news, and I'm in total agreement with you, a lot of these horses were coming from the racing farms. Yes. And what's happened, I mean, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of farms in Kentucky that are up for sale. Mm-hmm. So where the horse industry was, where they'd breed a lot of horses so they can get some winners. You right. Know, a lot of these barns and the, the stables and breeding programs, they're not getting as much money for breeding. Or yep. for the horses, so they're closing, and hopefully that's going to help over the years. But for now, it sounds like we have a pretty good number of horses. We do, and and it's interesting that you said that because just um, about two weeks ago, I I pulled a horse from one of the auctions in New Jersey, and um, she is a registered trotter, and uh, she's a five-year-old standard bred beautiful horse. She's going to make somebody a great family horse. And it's a horse like that who, you know, literally has been dumped. Uh, she's five years old. There's nothing wrong with her. And really, it's, you know, it's also about making people responsible for these animals once they've bred them. And it's not about, okay, I used you on the track or here or there, and now I'm done with you. See you later. I don't even owe you to, 
you know, humanely euthanize you. Right. As we both know with good dog breeders, one of the things they do is they give you a contract saying, okay, if you cannot keep this dog or puppy at any time for any reason, you must return it to me. Correct. And what you're saying, that standard isn't the same in horses. It isn't, and you'll find that all of your rescue organizations, for the most part, we work under a similar contract to what you would get from a reputable dog breeder, which is that if you can no no longer keep your horse, please return it to us. We will help you rehome it, or we will take it in. And that prevents, you know, this vicious cycle of having horses picked up and just dumped at these auctions. Oh, boy. that's Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, so... In your opinion, okay, mm-hmm. what do you think should the Horse Slaughter Act should say? Should we ha- allow some slaughter of horses for, let's say, zoos or, you know, I mean, they, they've kind of put, and I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Melissa, I'm just, right. trying, to, just trying to educate listeners, but they've, we've, we've put, with the Horse Slaughter Act, have we not put the horse in line with the dog and the cat to say, okay, these are companion animals, we're not going to eat them, done, right? But can Absolutely. They, but, can, but can they be slotted for other purposes, like for zoos or for something else? In my opinion, yes, I would say no, I would not be okay with that. Okay. The horse is, as you said, although it's a companion animal to many of us now, it has provided services over the years, hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years for us as transportation, you know, as working in fields, as many... You know, for many things that we needed prior to having, you know, all these modern conveniences we have now. So our, our civilization wouldn't be where it is yeah. without the horse. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think w- at the very least we owe, you know, the horse the so, right yeah. to die peacefully Absolutely. and I'm, with respect. I'm with you. Now, if, if you look at where this is, you know, as Brian would say, coming full circle on this, you know, we talk about the, uh, the horse uh, racing, you know, they've just banned dog racing, mm-hmm. you know, so we're saying that the problem really isn't the Horse Slaughter Act as much as it might be the economy, that's kind of... I don't know whether it's simply the economy, I mean, it's it's the same with dogs, you know, it's irresponsible owners yeah. and breeding, irresponsible owning and breeding, and people who are not committed to a horse that is going to potentially live 30 years. Do you think the horse racing industry is going to change at all with the results of all these horses looking for homes? Because we know it has with greyhounds. I mean, it's done. In their def- you know, in, in the racing industry's defense, per se, um, there have been many uh, organizations that have stepped up through the racing industry who have really tried to do the right thing. They've set up a lot of... If you go to Kentucky, there's a lot of retirement homes for off-the-track thoroughbreds. Um, the Trotting Association has recently, you know, set up a small program for any standard breads that are taken in by rescues from these auctions. You can actually apply for funds. Um, so they are stepping up. I think they recognize the problem. Yeah. You know, one of the things we had with dog racing was they had two issues. One was the veterinary care, you know, the housing, the husbandry the care of the dogs, and mm-hmm. the second was, um, the, you know, the, the conditions that they were kept in. So it was, it was care and conditions. And with horse owners, I know a person who takes their horse in their own trailer, will go up to the track, so you know that they're being kept in a good place because they're in their home, you would hope. Right. And then and they take care of the veterinary care. 
to, on mm-hmm. their own. So I kind of, I, I, I don't see the horse industry really getting hit as it, as the greyhounds did. Well, how many horses can Lucky's uh, Legacy hold at this point, Melissa? Well, we have eleven stalls. Okay. Um, and we're on eleven acres, all with all paddocked with run-in sheds. So potentially, I mean, we could hold up to you know twenty to twenty-four horses. However, as with everything else in life, there are financial um, things that keep us, obviously, from just saying, okay, we can take in 22 horses. We also look to the most immediate cases. You know, who needs urgent care or acute care today or tomorrow? Um, Who's in true danger at this point? We try to reach out to local horse owners. Um, who are in situations that maybe, potentially maybe they just lost their job and it's a temporary situation, um, we'll reach out to them and say, hey, you know what, for the next six months, maybe we can help you with your grain, hay, and shavings, and if you need farrier services. Um, and there actually is another organization in New Hampshire called Becky's Gift who's doing a very similar thing. Uh, they don't have a rescue facility, but they will, you know, reach out to you as an owner in a temporary time of need because obviously the best thing is if somebody just hit hard economical times it's to keep the horse at home yeah if they can now if, so, can people donate money to you and if so absolutely I, right so let's can we give out a website or contact information let's start with that yep so our we can give out our our email address which you can donate via paypal is lucky's legacy one word at gmail.com mm-hmm. or you can mail donations to P.O. Box 30 in Epping, New Hampshire 03042 and our website is luckyslegacy.org Alright, Melissa, one of the things you know, because we have horses so when I pass a big open green field I go, hmm, wouldn't that be yeah. nice? Um, is that one way people could possibly help and get over this if they do have some available land that is in grass to possibly, you know, be able to have horses, you know, not pay hay bills and grain bills where the horses can actually graze and maybe with the temporary horse fencing that becoming a possibility with people who have some open land? Um, I think it's a better possibility than letting your horse, you know, starve. Uh, however, I think Grazing land, pasture, grass is not all that's required. And I, I think that's actually a misconception uh, that a lot of, I guess, don't get me wrong, it definitely helps. It'll definitely keep weight on your horse for the summer. Well, like with Kachiko Valley Humane Society, they'll often have fosters. They have how many, you know, 50 foster people that will take in, but mm-hmm. we really don't have fosters for you, do we, at this point? We don't currently have a foster program, but if somebody does have a barn and they are willing to take in a horse, or even if they have land, like Brian said, um, with a run-in shed or a three-sided shelter, right. uh, we would require you know three-sided shelter and some sort of turnout. I just don't want people to get the impression that just if you have a lawn. Uh, oh no, no, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I, I wasn't suggesting that. But <laughs> with, if somebody has a good piece of property. Because the other thing besides money, since horses do take care in handling, if right. there are people with experience that know how to handle horses, are you looking for volunteers that maybe will make some fostering possibilities uh, increase? Absolutely, 100%. And we, two things, at our 
farm. We run two shifts every day. It's everything is volunteer run. Um, we are always looking for volunteers. Uh, morning feeding turnout, you know, cleaning, mucking stalls, afternoon turn in feeding, grooming. Um, Hand, just general handling. You know, it would be great, too, is, you know, there, there is a veterinary technical school in for technicians in New Hampshire as well as UNH. It would mm-hmm. be great to have them chip in and help you out. Hey, listen, what a great interview, and thank you so much for helping us educate the people on the problem that we're having. This is Melissa Coe, and it's called Lucky'sLegacy.org. .org. That's the contact right. information. If you can give some money, that would be great. If you can give hay or feed, that's even better. And if you can give your time and you're willing to muck a stall or help yeah. with horses, it could really make a difference for these wonderful animals. Melissa, thank you so much, and congratulations on the great work you're doing. Thanks so much Agreed. for having me. Yeah, you bet. Have a good day. You too. You know, they call it mucking a stall, but God, couldn't they you come up with a different name? What? It's not that bad. Anyways, you listen to Great Pets Radio. It's Dr. Jim with Brian, and we'll be back after this break. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, welcome back to Great Pets Radio. It's Dr. Jim McKiernan with Brian Kilcommons. And what a beautiful day it is today. And this is the type of day where we say, gosh, it's great to live here, isn't it? You know, we're going to lighten it up a little bit and, um, and, and, and give some thought. If, if you are a horse owner or you uh, are a horse enthusiast, it, it's, there's a lot of feel-good when you can pitch in, you can donate time, money to these organizations of these people who are just putting a lot of their own time and energy, not making money on this, just trying to help these rescue these horses. So it's Lucky's Legacy. Um, check it out. But so, Brian, I was um, speaking of checking it out, I, was, I always look to see what type of new 
new pet products are on the market? Because obviously these pet products were started by people who just had an idea and suddenly there it is. So I, I just wanted to get the Kilcommon's thumbs up, thumbs down, if I could. The uh, There was one called a non-spillable bowl for the back of your um, car. You know, like you put your golden retriever in the back and the water doesn't spill. What do you think? Um, get me the bowl. Get me in traffic. Couple of short stops, and I'll let you know. Yeah, okay, but you it, know, it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. If the dog has access to the water, how are they going to prevent the water from sloshing? So, out? if it's truly non-spillable, it would be a thumbs up. Yes. Okay. All right. So that's good enough. I agree with that. They also came up with something called the Snoozy Ortho Airbed. Now, this is something that the nails aren't going. It's a. It's got, looks like a blow-up mattress, but your dog can sleep on it, and your dog can even float around the swimming pool if you wanted your dog to to be floating. <laughs> yeah thumbs down on that one um no you know again what's difficult is how they describe this stuff and then actually getting it um yeah you know it, it makes it difficult unless you try it now here's one that um i don't like but i, I shouldn't have prefaced it that way and that is there, there's a backpack that you can create kind of a portable doghouse in the back so you'll see this backpack with this little westy with half its body kind of sticking out the back no. No. I mean, hello. Right. You know, keep the dog with you. Yeah. Dogs like to walk, don't yeah. they, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> and we have Karen from the Garchico Valley Humane Society. Hey, Karen. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. How are adoptions going? It has been a very good week, actually. Okay. Yeah. And uh, available pets are on CVHS.org, is it? CVHSonline.org. Uh, uh, Online.org, mm-hmm. so that you can see pets that are available for adoption. So, what do you have yeah. for us today? Um, I have Scooby. He's a five-year-old shepherd mix, and he's just—I don't know—he's a nice walking dog. He's athletic, but he's just sweet and gentle and easy, and he's a happy guy. Sounds like a nice family dog, or some possibly for an older person. I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's—he's he's more of a quiet reserved type of dog um good with kids cats other dogs um but kind of wants to just hang out right mm. so he'd Relax. like a, a quieter lifestyle hey yeah. K- karen mm-hmm. there is nothing wrong with that no you know that that makes a nice adoption that, you know they're not coming back when that happens no he's a great little dog hey do, do uh do you ever have people pull up to your place with the trailer in the back and the horse there and they're looking for you to help with assistance for horses we do see that yes okay yep um, unfortunately, you, we're not able to take horses, right? Uh, but we do refer them to the SPCA in Stratum or other horse rescues in the area. Now, your th- this dog, whose name again was Scooby. Scooby. Uh, he will get adopted probably today after our discussions. He's, I hope so. he's neutered, mm-hmm. right? Heartworm tested. Yep. Vaccinated. Absolutely. What else am I missing? Wormed. Microchipped. Wormed. Microchipped. Dewormed. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that's an amazing amount you get for such a small amount of money. Especially a five-year-old. Is that what you said, five? Yep. Yeah. So you know, they already come, you know, as Brian would say, they're ready to go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, he's potty trained. He's, you know, just looking for a good home. Absolutely. All right. And how is it going with the cats? Um, well, it's been good, but we're starting to see quite an influx. We actually just took in 17 cats a few minutes ago. A 17? So, uh, 17, yes. Were they yeah. from one location, Karen? Or is yes, it, yeah? they were, yeah. So we're starting to see the, the summer influx. So, spay and neuter, spay and neuter. Spay and neuter, yes. Alrighty, uh, you do a great job as always, Karen. Cochico Valley or cvhsonline.org if mm-hmm. you're interested in getting a pet. Go check out Scooby. What time are you open till today? We're here till 4. Alright, and hey. the fo- how about a phone number? 
749-5322. All right. Keep up the great work, Karen. It's always Thanks. a delight speaking with you. You too. Thank Take you, Take care. Bye. 17 cats. That's a that's a one house, 17 cats. You can imagine what that smells like on a hot day. Um, right? No. Yeah. I mean, I jog. I go by these, some of these houses, and you can just you can smell it, especially the hot weather. It brings out that aroma. Okay. And I'll tell you, oof. So one of the things, you know, with everybody planting gardens and stuff, a lot of times they don't think about, are the plants toxic that they're putting in mm-hmm. around their pets, mm-hmm. and whether they have horses or dogs or cats, we'll all assume chewing on something. So you can go to the ASPCA uh, website, ASPCA.org, and that is the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, slash toxic plants, one word. And they'll give you a listing of plants, and it's one of the things, and this is Sarah's unbelievable expertise as far as knowing about plants. And, you know, I look at stuff and I go, what about that? She goes, no, it's toxic. So knowing about that really helps. The other thing is organic fertilizers and pesticides. There's a product called Sluggo or Sluggo Plus that it's organic for uh, snails, which a lot of people, and more people are doing gardens. So when you're thinking about putting uh, chemicals on your lawn, look at the toxicity of it, whether it is fertilizer or pesticides or insecticides. It makes a huge difference. And, we, you know, a lot of people have wells around here, so you want to pay attention to what you're putting on the lawn. You know, the sad part is that the, the I would say the majority of a lot of the ornamentals and things we plant are, in fact, toxic. They are. So it's, it's so, a tough one. And I don't think most people think about it and how many plants out there are really toxic. Right. So, and you have some other products here, so... Sh- Shoot me. Oh, all right. So we're back. Uh, this was a good one. This was a nice picture. It's called the Pet Rain Poncho. So think about a German Shepherd with, like, a nice raincoat covering the, the, the body. You know, the head's out. and nice little raincoat for your dog. I, you know what? I always look at how they construct them underneath. It's light, so there's no tire on the bottom. It just kind of flips over him like a poncho. Right, but if he lifts his leg, is that going to be part of the poncho now? Um, good question. <laughs> you know, it's small things like this going, keeps them dry most of the time unless he has to go. I don't know. Same, I, same thing with females. I, so. I look at that and I say, what's wrong with a little water in your dog? But, you know, you and I know that that little water in the dog days later can kind of turn into a very musty smelling dog. Yes. So as far as using that, but I'd make sure that they, the manufacturer or the store would take it back if it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, here's a good one. You can actually, you know, when you towel off your dog, you can actually get these towels that are pre-made for the dog to wear. Kind of looks like a nice little, you know, turtleneck, slides over the dog. So it's, they just wear this nice little towel. Very designer-like. Okay. <laughs> Thumbs down on that one, folks. Uh, yeah, you know, I think people are looking to be more pragmatic and practical nowadays. Yeah. So, you know, take it to Owl and rub your dog down. It, it, exactly. You know, somebody had the idea. Hey, this is Great Pets Radio with Dr. Jim and Brian. And we will be back to wrap up the show. Uh, numbers at 888-888-441-9876. We'll be back. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back here with Great Pets. I'm Brian Commons with my co-host, Dr. Jim McKiernan, and we're talking pets. So what else you got here? Oh, I got it. This is one that's an interesting one. It's called the Good Behavior Calming Pheromone Cat Collar. We're all familiar with pheromones to a degree. And basically, a pheromone is like a hormone that's released and it tends to calm the cat. You can buy it called Felaway, or F-E-L-I-W-A-Y. You can plug it into your house. Right. Well, now they have a collar that's on that emits this pheromone to take the anxiety down from your cat. Okay. And it is a breakaway collar. A lot of us don't like collars in cats because right. they can catch them. So I, I, get, I like this. If it, if it works, why well, not? The, the biggest problem usually with cats is missing the litter box. Yeah, there you go. So if this would help and keep the cat in the home, I'm all for it. And something tells me it's not going to work. But I, if it does work, you know, that's the thing. If it works. It's funny. All these things, Brian, was saying, if they work, if they work. Right. So, you know, but yes, I'm, I'm for that one. This, was one. this one was interesting. It's a, called a cool-down dog leash with a water dispenser. So you've got a little handle like you would on a flexi-lead. Right. And coming out of the handle is kind of like a water dispenser. So actually the dog, like a guinea pig, could just kind of drink out of the end and suck some water out as if they need it on their walks. Well, how long are most people walking their dogs? Well, a lot of people, you know, will tuck away their, you know, their pulling springs in their pocket with them. And so, hey, right? You know, if, if, if that's going to work for them and they can do that, cool. Okay, here's one that I want to use uh, for my kids as well. It's called the Spotlight GPS Pet Locator. It's a little clip that goes on the collar. And even with the Apple iPhone, right, at $7.99 a month, you can track your pet. So it's not like a lot of people think microchipping does this. Microchipping gives you a number. It's a tracking number that we find right. and we it, call the it database. It can't be picked up by a GPS. This one is a You can actually GPS your pet. <laughs> it's 2010, isn't it great? Yeah, I, I, you know, out of sight is usually into trouble with most pets, you know. So, and a leash is really handy in training, getting the dog to come back to you. And the invisible fence is helpful you know, if, and a if, regular fence. Yeah, but if you're going to be going camping or something, yep, you know, it it may warrant something like that. Would you know? Basically, would I get it from one of our our dogs? Probably not. Well, you you you're, you got to buy this thing. I'm sure it's not inexpensive, and then you're basically spending a hundred dollars a year. year to be able to track your dog. I think it's probably more like, oh, look at him now. You can see he's you know over here, over there. Yeah. And then he goes out of range. <laughs> <laughs> and you're saying, wait a minute, is this AT and T? I want you. Can you hear me now? You want your seven ninety nine back? Hey, uh, as Brian mentioned, it's a beautiful day. Everybody's gardening out there. Uh, careful of your compost piles. If you do compost, dogs get into them. They can be very, 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 very bad for dogs. Make dogs sick. Make dogs throw up. So just be careful how you spread it, where you spread it, and the amount that you spread. And please do not let your dog get into that compost pile. Yep. And also, if you're thinking of putting in plants in the garden that your pets are accessible to, you may want to get that listing from the ASPCA Toxic Plants that uh, org, it's ASPCA.org, mm-hmm. uh, Toxic Plants, and take a look at the list, bring it with you when you go to the nursery to make sure you're selecting beautiful plants that are going to be nice to look at, fragrant, but safe for your pets. 
And next week we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, a bill that was passed in Massachusetts on you cannot debark your dog anymore. So we're going to be bringing that up, and hopefully we'll get someone to call in and give us their insight. But on behalf of everybody, <laughs> I want to say thank you for listening to this day. It's a beautiful day. Uh, we're going to pick it up next week live. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy it. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.